Merry Christmas. Say that now because come the 24th, it's not uncommon that many of you probably will travel or you'll have family in. And if I, if I get to worship with you on the 24th on Christmas Eve, that'll be a blessing. But if I don't get to see you, Merry Christmas today. Um, we are looking at um, what is titled Jesse's Tree. It comes from Isaiah chapter 11. We every year give out an Advent uh, activity for families to do at home, and this year we gave out the Jesse Tree uh, Advent activity, and it comes from Isaiah chapter 11. And we're going to look at those two verses, but then we're going to move over to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at the song that Mary sings, that wells up in her, that song of praise when she visits her cousin Elizabeth as she's preparing to, to have the Christ child. And so we're going to be looking at just the beautiful song and all that God has accomplished through the birth of Christ. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, you can kind of go to Isaiah 11, or you can put your finger in, in uh, Luke, because that's where we're going to spend most of the time, or you can follow on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, please take the Bible in the chair in front of you. It's a gift from us to you. We would love for you to have that, um, to have it at home so you could be reading the scriptures. But Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 says this, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, you're so good. Your goodness, your steadfastness, your love, your grace, your mercy, your power, your holiness, all of it on display. And you didn't leave us to our own devices Father, you sent us a Savior. While we were sinners, while we were shaking our fists and thumbing our noses and going about life in our own way, seeking our own happiness and our own joy, you pursued us. You were gentle with us. You called us to yourself. And then you made a way to forgive our sin through Christ Jesus. So this morning, I pray that you would just fill us with awe and wonder, that we would just understand really all that you did and are still doing today, how you're reconciling man, that you're bringing us back, redeeming, making right what was broken in the fall. Father, we worship you. We give thanks for all that you have done. And we look at this prophecy now, and we just marvel that you spoke this long ago before Christ would ever come to prepare man for his coming. So help us as we remember to worship in spirit and in truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
verse 1 it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now Jesse is David's, King David's father. And he's spoken about in Ruth chapter 14 and 1 Samuel 17. Here's those verses, Ruth 14, it says, And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And when we look at the story of Ruth, we see this beautiful picture of how God is working and bringing redemption and restoring. And in that story, he is pointing forward to the bigger story of Scripture, that there is one coming, that this is just an illustration of what I'm going to do. But out of this family, I am bringing one who is going to come. And so Isaiah is saying, out of this family, Jesse, one will come. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, it says, Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem and Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons in the days of Saul the man was already old and advanced in years. So here we see that Judah in Bethlehem, had, there was this man of David named Jesse who had eight sons. And so Isaiah is saying, out of this man's family is going to come one. Jesse, his name means God's gift or God's possession. It's an amazing thing because his name is significant. If you look at a lot of the Hebrew names, they're very significant. And so Jesse is God's possession or God's gift. So out of all of those in that time, he says, it's this one, my possession. This shoot is going to come out of, for my people, my possession, this gift for them. So Jesse is bringing forth a gift. His, his offspring his shoot is the one that we are looking for, and, it is, and it's all pointing to Christ. Isaiah uh, 10, 33 and 34, a shoot from the stump. It, it, thinking about this, it says, Behold, the Lord God of hosts will lop the, the boughs with a terrifying power. The great in height will be hewn down, and the lofty will be brought low. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. Now, this is talking about a humbling of the proud of Israel, how God cuts them down. And if you look at a stump, if you look at the stumps in my yard, you're like, there's no hope, that is dead. <laughs> but he, he says, they have risen up, they have become proud, the, the people have set themselves against him, and he says, so I'm going, to, I'm going to humble them. And what looks like is dead, he says, no, I have a possession, I have a gift. And out of Jesse, this stump actually will have a shoot come out of it, and there will be life. There will be renewed life. And so he's pointing to this chopping down of the proud, those who were mighty, they, they looked like mighty trees, Lebanon was known for its mighty trees. And he says he's, he's hewn them. He's chopped them down. And by appearance, they were dead, but they're not. The Lord, looking over the house of Jesse, caused the shoot to grow. Even though the Assyrians were used to judge Israel, God still brought life. 
So God, in his grace, his kindness, and his mercy, he remembered his promises. And so what I want to do is just look at just the promises. There's, there's nine promises that look at the origin of the Messiah, and this is what we see. In Genesis 3.15, it says that he will be born of a woman. That's in the very beginning of the fall, and he says one will come born of woman who will set things right. Later in Genesis 12 and and also in 22, he will come from the line of Abraham. So one is going to come from woman, and now he says out of this, this family, Abraham's family, one is going to come, the one who will save and redeem. But then he narrows the bullseye. He says out of the line of Isaac. So Isaac is, is the son of promise of Abraham. Oh, don't want to kick the garland off. Uh, Isaac is the son of promise of Abraham. And Abraham thinking, God said there's going to be one to come and save us, but I don't, I'm advanced in years, and my wife, she's past childbearing years. You know what? I'll, I'll have a son with the servant of my wife, and, and that'll be the one. And God said, no, that's not the one. He says, I have a child of promise for you. It's coming through Isaac. It will be of the descendant of Jacob. So out of Isaac to the family of Jacob. Now Jacob is also known as Israel. And Israel has how many sons? Anybody know? Twelve. Can you name them? Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Ishakar, Zebulon, Joseph, and Benjamin. Those are the sons of Israel. So kids, you can learn that one and earn some extra, extra Christmas candy. But out of those 12, Jacob. Jacob will have it. Well, from Jacob comes the tribe of Judah. So it's Genesis 49. Now, Judah, he's, you see how he's narrowing it down. Now it's down to a family out of the tribe of Judah. And from Judah, the family of Jesse. This is getting very specific, isn't it? This is what God does. He says, be on the lookout. I'm bringing him. He's coming closer. He's coming closer. Now we're down to the family. Out of the family, he will be heir to King David's throne, 2 Samuel. He'll be born of a virgin, and he'll be born in Bethlehem. God brings These are just nine of the prophecies of Messiah. There's many prophecies, and Jesus fulfills them all. But just think of the odds of just these nine. Jesus fulfills all of them because God is orchestrating it. He's ordained it. He's making it happen. It's not by chance one fulfills this. It's by design. And that design is that there's life out of the stump of Jesse that has come to save mankind, to save us. The promise of Messiah is the promise to all of mankind that what was lost at the fall could be restored through Jesus. It's the work and promises of God that Mary sings about. So Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56, and I'm going to read her song. 
And this is Mary. Elizabeth blesses her. She's overwhelmed with joy and with the Spirit. And this is what comes out. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Mary says in verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's, that's where we get the title of this song that she, she has written here, this Magnificat, that she magnifies the Lord. In just a moment, I'm going to talk about magnifying and rejoicing here. But in just a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to prep you right now because we're going to have a little class participation. <laughs> in a moment, she says, he has done great things for me. And I, I would love to have some testimonies from you this morning of some great things that he has done. Not a long story, just a sentence or two, like he has done this for us. He has been this for us. He has shown himself here for us. All right? So when I get there, okay, so now your wheels are thinking, and when we get there, you know, I'll call on a few of you to give some testimony of what God has done. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary's song is, is titled for this thought of magnifying God. She starts by saying that her soul, the inner person, that that part that expresses the emotions, her personality, the mind, the desires, what makes Mary who she is, all that she is, is magnifying God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And she says, in this moment, she's overwhelmed. She's like, all that is in me, all that I am magnifies God because he's fulfilling his promises. And she's saying, not only is he fulfilling his promises, but he's using me. Like, why? Why would he use me for this? He looks on my lowly estate. And she says that I am so blessed. In verse 47, she says her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. This idea of praising and magnifying and exalting, I think sometimes we, we, we kind of, I don't know, I guess the best word is like water it down. 
Because we just kind of feel like, yeah, you know, I went. It was a great worship time. It was a great, yeah, we magnified Jesus at church this, this Christmas. Like, we sang those songs, and oh, that was great, and it sounded so wonderful, and people were clapping, and it was nice. And, but she's talking about just, like, overwhelming emotion coming out, overwhelming joy, exaltation. Like, she can't contain herself. Like, Elizabeth says to her a blessing, and she's like, Here's this song that's just coming out of me. <laughs> and, and we would say, if we were standing there, well, that was kind of strange. Like, I mean, if we were in the other room, we were like, what's going on with Mary? Like, she's just going off there. Like, she's just overwhelmed with the presence of God. Have we ever been there? Have you ever been there? Overwhelmed in his presence. When we're worshiping. As the people of God, can we say, my soul magnifies him. Mary was not worried about what Elizabeth was going to say in the kitchen that day. She just starts praising God. And I think sometimes we worry about what our neighbors sitting around us are going to say. We're like, oh, this song's like, I want to sing it out, but you know, no, okay, I just can do yeah. Yeah, good, yeah. You know? No, Mary's just like, I am singing this. I am praising. My hands are out. My posture is to the Lord. Maybe I'm on my knees. Maybe I'm weeping. Maybe rejoicing and laughing because of the great truths that are there. Like, I am just overwhelmed. I am rejoicing and magnifying him. And I don't care who's around me because I'm worshiping. And so that's what this word rejoicing actually is pointing to. She's making parallels here. She's saying, my soul magnifies, my spirit magnifies. My soul is exalting in him, my spirit is rejoicing in him. This word rejoicing here is egalation. It means this, becoming so glad one jumps in celebration to exult, boast, because one is so experientially joyful. All right, you guys have experienced this. I know some of you guys have experienced this. How do I know? Well, it's football season. That's how I know, right? And those who are really into it rejoice when their team does great, and you're sitting on the couch, and you're on the edge of the seat, and you're watching, and the drive is going great, and there's the throw, there's the catch. Yes! You know, popcorn everywhere, and you're just rejoicing in it. Our team did it. You're like, honey, you missed it. Did you come? You're going to miss the replay. Like, we are emotional people. We are experiential people. Mary is saying, that's what's happening in me. Like, God is working, and she's like, yes, Messiah's coming, and he's using me, his servant. Like, I can't contain this. When we think about what God has done for us, we should be welling up with praise. In fact, when 
Mary walks into the house, Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. She says, when I heard your voice, the baby leapt in my womb. And that leaping is that of a lamb that is, that is frolicking, like hopping in the field, running and bouncing. I have not seen that. I'm not around lambs. <laughs> but I'm thinking, that must have hurt. Like, she's like, whoa! Like, you know, it sounds great in the scripture. You're like, oh, the baby leapt in the womb when I heard your voice. She was probably like, whoa, that's a kick. Like, yeah, he leapt when you were here, when you came in. Like, the presence of God is moving. And Mary is just overwhelmed with it. That's what Christmas for us should be. An overwhelming awe of who God is, what he has done, the promises fulfilled. He goes, she goes on. Well, we don't want to give lip service. Let me, let me just say that. We don't want to just offer up lip service. Jesus talks about that in Mark chapter 7, verse 6. He says, and he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We don't want to just give lip service. Like our faith is, it reaches into the core of who we are. It it transforms us. It changes us. We don't just say, yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah, I go to church. Oh, I love Christmas, all the lights and that. Like like if, if we're not being overwhelmed by God, then we need to ask ourselves, am I just giving lip service? Or am I really following him? Am I really his disciple? Have I really given my life to him? We don't want to just say these things. We're experiencing, we are experiencing these things. We're living these things. Mary says all this wells up out of the depth of her being. It comes out as praise and exaltation. Verse 48, she says, For he has looked on the humblest state of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. He looked on Mary's humble estate. God looks at your humble estate. He looks upon you too. I mean, we're thinking of Christ coming and we're thinking about Mary, but let's not miss the, the, the great spiritual truth here is that our God is a God who sees. You're not hidden from him. He hasn't missed it. He looks in on your life. He's, he's watching. He's there. He sees. And, and he's wanting you to come and know him the way Mary is exalting and magnifying. He wants you to come and exalt and magnify. He wants you to know him. He looks at our low estate. Sometimes we wonder if anybody sees us. We wonder if anybody really has noticed us. There's a movie that came out not too long ago uh, called The Help. Anybody see that movie? Yeah, good. So in that movie, 
Celia, she is wanting to get in with the ladies' groups and be accepted by them. And she's doing all that she can to kind of just be part of the women of, the, of that neighborhood. Now, this takes during the place during the time of segregation in the South. And, and so there's a lot of racial tension and different things going on. And Cecilia is trying to get in with this group, and they just keep ignoring her. She's overlooked. She's treated with contempt. She believes everyone feels that she is worthless. And then she starts to believe that she is worthless. Until her maid, Minnie, speaks truth to her and speaks life into her. See, Minnie was one of the, one of the maids that served in the homes. And she was always overlooked because she was black. She was always treated poorly, always pushed aside. And she knows exactly what Cecilia's feeling. She sees her. Like, she sees her. And she's watching this woman who is actually her good friend in the movie. They become really close and good friends. She sees the hurt. And she speaks life into that woman. It changes her. She's transformed. She's full of joy. Later on in the movie, she's a totally different person because someone saw her. Someone regarded her low estate. Maybe you understand that. Maybe you felt that. Maybe you're being slighted right now in your life. You just feel like everyone is walking by you. God sees you. He sees you. He knows exactly what's happening right now. He's regarding your estate, and he's calling you to himself. He's speaking life, if you'll listen. I think we can all relate in different ways, whether we're kids in school and we think about how we get treated at school and overlooked, or whether we're adults in the workplace, or maybe we're later in life and we feel like everything is, is gone and no one even sees us anymore. I think we all can relate, but Mary says God sees us, looks upon our lowest state, and he saves us from calamity. He saves us from chaos. He lavishes us with his grace and his love. Verse 49, here's where testimony comes in. He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has done great things for me. What great things has he done for you? Who has a word of testimony? Anybody over here? I'll just go by sections. Anybody over here? Yes, Marie. What has he done? No longer an orphan, a daughter of the king. He's brought you in. Praise God. Over here, little section in the, the wedge. Anybody have a testimony of what he has done for you? Everybody's like, no, you have something. Anybody in this section, a testimony if he has done great things for you? Mighty is his name. Yes, Diane. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you can clap. You can clap for that because he has done great things. He does great things. 
So for you guys online, you didn't hear it. Diane shared that a year ago, had a bad accident, didn't know if she can walk, and she's walking today. He has brought her through and brought healing. How about over here? He has done great things, mighty things for me. A testimony? Yes. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So just that healing that comes, and we're talking, that's generational healing, personal healing, uh, spiritual, mental, physical, like, that's awesome. Like, he has been doing some major business in your life, and he's doing major business in your life. Don't be afraid to give that testimony. Mary says he's done great things for me. Holy is his name. She celebrates his goodness. She celebrates his kindness to her. We should celebrate those things. We shouldn't keep those stories to ourselves and just be like, yeah, God's good. No, God does great things. He does powerful things for me. He is faithful, holy, is his name. There's none like him. He's set apart. He's other. And he looks at my low estate and he does mighty things for me. He looks at your low estate and does mighty things for you. Not just salvation. I think too often we just think about church in that way. Oh, Jesus came to save sinners. Okay, yay. And now let's get on with life. No, he's come to change your life, to work in your life, to bring deliverance and healing and transformation. He sees you. Mary says, Messiah is coming, and he sees us, and he's doing powerful things. He is holy, and his mercy is for those who come to him, who will exult in him, who surrender to him and his ways. He's doing this for all generations. Second Samuel 24, 14. His mercy is great. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great, but let me not fall into the hand of man. His mercy is great for all generations. So when we are in distress, we, like David, should say, let us fall into the hand of of God. Verse 51, she says, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. His strength breaks the power of sin. Romans 6, 10 and 11 in the New Living Translation, it's worded this way. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. He breaks the power of sin that held us. Verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Those who humble themselves before him, he exalts a new life. Luke 2, 34, it says this, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. 
He said, this one that was just born, that you've brought into the temple this day, Simeon the prophet, sees Jesus and says, I've seen the fulfillment of God's promises. It's here in this little baby boy. And he says to Mary, now this child will cause many to fall who are proud and many who are humble will be exalted. And he says, and this one is going to be a sign to be opposed. There's a lot of turmoil around Jesus. But for those who come, he exalts. He, he looks at us and he brings new life for those who are humble. Verse 53 He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Those who hunger spiritually, he fills with good things. He satisfies our souls. Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Are you satisfied? Are you you hungering and thirsting? Because if you are and you come to the Messiah, he will satisfy. He will satisfy. He gives us good things. Verse 54, she continues singing, he's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. So Israel, he has helped in all, and into all the nations God has brought his promises to bless through Abraham. Just as he said, <clears throat> Genesis 12, 1 through 3, she's, she says this. I, I guess I should read this other verse because it goes to the Abraham part. He's helped his servant Israel, and he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Here he has, in Genesis chapter 12, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He has remembered Israel, and he's spoken through Abraham and kept this promise. Has your family been blessed? This, it's an amazing thing to be grafted in because of Christ Jesus. That my family has been part of this. I have been blessed by Jesus. Has your family been blessed? Messiah has come through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through Judah, through Jesse, the shoot. Jesus came fulfilling this that all families could be blessed. You have new life. Mary is looking forward when she sings this song She's looking forward to the one who will save people from sin. And at that very moment, it will be his death. His death will pierce her heart. The mother of Jesus, our Messiah, will see him crucified on the tree. Luke 2.35. It says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. 
Mary singing in the kitchen with Elizabeth about the Messiah to come, has the baby, goes to present him to the temple, gets the blessing that he will cause the rise and fall of many, and then this pronouncement right on its heels, and it's going to pierce your heart too. Close, personal relationship with God. Each of us can have that. And just think about what Mary went through here. Standing there that moment, knowing that this baby, they will call him Jesus, for he will save his people from sin. And the way he must do that is that he must die for you and for me. And she has to behold that. She watches him grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. She watches him go into his ministry, healing and bringing the kingdom of God. She hears all of the beautiful things that are happening. And at the height of all of this, he gets arrested. And he is taken to the hill Golgotha, the place of the skull. And she watches him die. doesn't stay dead. He's resurrected on that third day, bringing the promise of all that she's singing about to pass. Mary is looking forward in this moment that we're reading, singing about our salvation, singing about our God who sees us, singing praise God sees us, and he's come to help us and rescue us. And all who call out to him shall be saved. I want to end with a video clip of Ben-Hur. Now, this, this is my dated movie reference. 1959, if you haven't seen it. Um, uh, we were just commenting on, Eric and I were just commenting on, like all the old 50s movies seem to be like three hours long. Uh-uh. But... Uh, This is the scene where Ben-Hur gets a drink of water, and he is seen. So let's watch that, and then we'll pray. Water for the soldiers! Soldiers first! Water. Get away from that well! No water for them! Get them away from that well! Come on, you! Come on, you! Water for the horses! Water!
war for him. by, overlooked, downtrodden by sin, guilt, and shame. And the moment we called out, Christ comes and sees us and gives us a drink of water. What I love in that, that clip is that when the soldier comes, Christ even stands in our defense. He stands and nothing can stand against him. He fights for us. He's come to rescue us. So why do we sing at Christmas? Why, why do we exult at Christmas? Because of what Jesus has done. 
because of who he is, what God has done, he has seen us and he has come to save us. And we remember and we rejoice. Will you stand with me and pray? Father, I thank you for Mary's song. All week, I've just been thinking about how you see us and that you're coming to earth, taking on flesh, being born as man was to do all that needed to be done so that you could reconcile us back to yourself. You see us. You care for us. You have done mighty things for us. Holy is your name. Those who are proud have been brought low and those who have been humbled and called out, you have exalted. And you do it for generation after generation. And the promise wasn't just for Israel, but it was for all families who would come. So we give thanks. And we pray that we would be filled with praise and rejoicing as we reflect on on who you are, Lord Jesus, and what you have done, that we, like Mary, would magnify the Lord with all that we are this Christmas. We give thanks.